And now, The Mentors Radio, one of the most popular and unique shows on the air today. Here each week, remarkable CEOs and leaders, including hosts Tom Laurie and Dan Hesse, and their guests will mentor you, challenging your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their ethical leadership and advice, and for helping others succeed throughout their careers, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Learn more and check out the show notes at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. And now, here's your mentor. Welcome. I'm Tom Laurie, and I'll be your host today. Thank you for joining us. My guest today is Joe Hart, who is the president and CEO of Dale Carnegie and Associates. Since 1912, Dale Carnegie's founding principles have inspired individuals and organizations uh, in their excellence and success and tapped in each person's potential. And Dale Carnegie is certainly well known to all of us. It was founded in 1912. Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People is still a bestseller and has sold over, I think Joe can fill it in here, but I think 80 million copies since it was first published. Joe is the author of a recently released book called Take Command, Find Your Inner Strength, Build Enduring Relationships, and Live the Life You Want, which brings together decades of Dale Carnegie's award-winning training and timeless principles to tell you about everything you need to know about the art of human relations. Joe, welcome to The Mentors. Thank you, Tom. Great to be with you today. So I, for our audience, let's get started. And let's talk first a little bit about Dale Carnegie and the history of Dale Carnegie and Dale Carnegie Associates. Sure. So as you said, uh, Dale Carnegie founded our, our business uh, 110, actually 111 years uh, this year. We uh, celebrate our 111th anniversary in October. Uh, we're a global uh, company. We have 200 operations in about 80 countries. And um, a lot of what we do is really about helping people unlock their greatness. Um, we think about the Dale Carnegie course, which is, you know, you can Google Warren Buffett and he'll talk about how that course changed his life, the trajectories of his life. It's about, you know, self-confidence, interpersonal skills and communication and stress and worry and leadership. We've got uh, other programs we do on being a powerful presenter or on, on leadership itself or sales. So it really is about helping people get to kind of that, that next level. Um, organizations bring us in. Often it's about high performing teams and culture, but um, we've, we've been uh, very fortunate to work with some amazing uh, companies and, and people over the, the decades. And somewhere along the line, you were transformed by this as well, by Dale Carnegie. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I was a young lawyer. Um, in, in fact, just even to back up further, my father was someone, you know, growing up, always talked about Dale Carnegie. My mother had taken a Dorothy Carnegie course in 1965. So I grew up as a, as a kid in a house, you know, where, where people were talking about Dale Carnegie. And, um, you know, as, as a uh, young lawyer, I decided to take a Dale Carnegie course. And it, it really just challenged me uh, in so many ways. First, it was around my vision, because one of the things we do in a Dale Carnegie class is, You'll say, hey, Tom, you know, what, what's your vision for yourself? Where do you want to be three months, six months, 10 years from now? And I really started to think about practicing law. And as much as I, I was a good lawyer, I think, uh, I, I wasn't necessarily uh, in love with what I was doing. So it ultimately sparked a move, uh, a career change. I, I left the practice of law. But the other thing that it really did was it helped me around my interpersonal skills, because I think... It fostered in me a level of empathy and understanding. I, I started to look at people. I mean, there are people I worked with, um, you know, and I, I think I, I could have been edgy. I might have been judgmental. I might have been, you know, a little arrogant. And all of a sudden, I, I just realized how I was uh, presenting and how I was impacting people. And I, I really actively worked to change that. So um, I, I went first into business. And I worked for a large real estate uh, company uh, developing uh, regional shopping centers. And then ultimately left and started an e-learning company in 2005, 2000. And uh, our, my first client was Dale Carnegie. We developed e-learning programs for Dale Carnegie in uh, six languages around the world. Um, built that company and ultimately sold it in 2005. Became the president of another company for 10 years before I joined Dale Carnegie as the CEO in 2015. So I had not heard about Dorothy Carnegie. What is that program all about? Well, the Dorothy Carnegie program no longer exists. It was a program 
that uh, so Dorothy was Dale's wife. And when uh, Dale died in 1955, Dorothy took over the company. And for a period of time, um, I mean, there was there was both a Dale Carnegie course and a Dorothy Carnegie course. And the Dorothy Carnegie course was for uh, career women at the time. Um, I mean, I think anyone could also take the Dale Carnegie course, but it was also kind of a course that was that Dorothy had created um, with uh, with Dale. And gosh, it was popular for many, many years before uh, they just stopped offering that, I think maybe in the 80s or 70s. Well, she was well ahead of her time, it sounds like. She was. I mean, you think about uh, in 1955, in November 1955, when Dale died, um, to have a, a woman take over. And she really was instrumental. I mean, that was there were not a lot of women at that time who were leading multinational companies. Um, but not only did Dorothy take over, uh, we talked about you know, taking command. She took command. And, and she was really uh, a brilliant person who led a lot of the international expansion that we had as a business, led to our growth, and uh, really just a, a, a tremendous uh, human being. Now, when you came in and took the course, I suspect some of this has changed, but is it a like a total immersion program where you go in with a group of people or does somebody work with you individually? Is it you do a lot of reading, answer a lot of questions? I mean, what, tell us a little bit about the how and how they translate uh, the principles of Dale Carnegie to an individual to inspire yeah, them. It's interesting. I, I have actually become a Dale Carnegie trainer. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, 2019, I became a Dale Carnegie trainer. So I've taught a couple of Dale Carnegie programs. And the one thing that I always hear people say is, is I didn't know what to expect, but this is the most interactive course I've ever experienced. And and that's really what our programs are. They're, they're engaging. They're getting you up off your feet. You're going to um, do different kind of activities and programs and give talks and that type of thing. And um, and in fact, the way you take a Dale Carnegie course, they could be online or in person. They can be, depends on the, it could be a two-day program, a three-day program, an eight-week program. It just really all depends on, on what it is that you, you want to take. But whatever it is, you know, part of the, the growth that people experience is really around getting out of their proverbial comfort zone. And, and, and interacting with other people. So there's a trainer who will lead the experience. Often there are graduate assistants or other people who will support the trainer. And um, then there's a, anywhere from a small program, like a high impact presentation program might be six or eight people. Uh, a Dale Carnegie course could be 20, 30 people. Just all really depends. And when you go into a company now, it's gonna be company, I don't wanna say company specific because the principles are broad. But it's in the company, you you go into the company, you bring people together, they're selected, they go through the program. Is uh, is that how that's done? Yeah, there's one of a couple of ways that this happens. You know, one is a company will say, we want to provide Dale Carnegie. We want to get everyone, you know, culturally aligned, focused on, you know, working together more effectively, having a high performing team. So the company might bring us in and we'll do programs for any number of, of employees that they want. We also have public programs, and sometimes a company would say, look, I don't have 20 people to put into a program, so I will put three people into a public course, and they might be in a, a class with other people from other companies or even just individuals who've decided that they want to take the program. Well, that thought, I got one more question when we come back. We're with Dale Carnegie President and CEO Joe Hart. Uh, we'll be back after a short break. Go to our website, The Mentors Radio. And click on show list of shows to listen to past shows. This is Tom Laurie, and you're listening to The Mentors Radio. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of Bulletproof founder, Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus, like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. Feelgreat.vip to learn more. 
Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com and mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. We're back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with Joe Hart, who is the president and CEO of Dale Carnegie and Associates, and we're talking about the art of human relations. Remember, you can also listen to this show or any previous show via podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, Google, and more on any device at any time. Subscribe at TheMentorsRadio.com. So we were talking when we uh, closed out the last segment on uh, training, corporate training or company training. One of my things about training in companies is that oftentimes people send people out to get trained. They come back. They're all inspired. They're excited. But the supervisors and the managers never went through the training. And all of a sudden they hit a uh, a brick wall when they're trying to do some of the things that they learn. Does does Dale Carnegie, when you go into a company, do you encourage you start with the top and work down in the organization? And it's not just people at one level or, or lower levels or mid levels. Well, you know, it depends on what the. I mean, every company is different, and and in some cases, it will be the the leaders who will start, and then it will have others in the organization, or it might just be a unit or a part of a company. It just it just really depends. But the point you made, I think, is a really important one. You know, which is, you know, there's a value in having people have a common understanding, a common language, um, seeing things from a different point of view. One of the things that we really focus on, you know, we talk about, you know, um, we want to get to a level of performance change, um, but it's really hard to do that if you don't have kind of this this emotional change, this attitude change, if you will. So you, you might have someone who's really focused. They've got a vision. They're positive in looking at, at opportunity. And you're right; they can they can hit a brick wall. So there is an advantage for those companies that that decide that they want to make something like a Dale Carnegie program part of the fabric of the organization. That's why many companies will do that. We've we've got large companies we've worked with that will have thousands of people who've gone through our our programs. Yeah, I wanted to make that point for the audience. Uh, I've seen too many of these people that you send somebody off to a program when in fact it needs to be holistic in terms of the whole company, so they're on a on the same page. Just from my experience, really works a lot better. So that's a point I wanted to make. Now, your hypothesis in the uh, new book that you've written, uh, and let's see, how long have you now been the uh, CEO of Dale Carnegie? Well, I joined in 2015, so I'm just going into my eighth year, I guess. So Eight years, okay. Eight years, uh, yeah, it's been, okay. been incredible. So your hypothesis is, is that one can live an intentional life what is an intentional life? Yeah, it's interesting. That's something that I really learned about when I took that that Dale Carnegie course. They really emphasized that. You know, what happens is so often we go through our lives, we've got our to-do lists, we've got, you know, different things, we're responding to different things. And all of a sudden, you know, days or years or or can go by and we wonder, gosh, you know, is are these the things that are really important to me that I'm doing? Or am I just kind of, you know, more just going with the flow, so to speak? And being intentional, and that's why we call this book Take Command, it's about, you know, and, and Take Command is taking command of your thoughts and your emotions first, um, you know, being de- dealing with, you know, how am I seeing things and and, and the worry and, and so forth, um, taking command of my relationships, being intentional about how I develop relationships and learning to deal with difficult people and so forth, and taking command of my future, which is being intentional about my future. But to your question, Tom, it really goes to intentionality goes to what's important to you. So if it's you, Tom, or me, Joe, or if it's Mike or whomever, 
you know, what are the things, what are your values? You know, what are the the, the things that you want to achieve in, in life? What's the impact you want to have? What's the legacy you want to leave? Um, but it really is about making decisions as opposed to kind of just falling into this maybe just, just habit of mindlessly going from, from thing to thing. So you talk about a number of individuals who have shaped their lives and led intentional lives. What what are the uh, downsides and stories you might have about people who'd never left, uh, never really figured that out? Well, unfortunately, we hear a lot of those kinds of stories, and they're often in the form of people get to the end of their lives, and they will often be asked, you know, what's what would you have done differently? And they they regret the things that they didn't do. They regret not being bold, not taking chances, um, being afraid and and being held back. So, I mean, that's kind of what happens when you when you don't take command. And, and that's that's a risk for all of us. I think we're all also busy. And, you know, there's a great quote that I love. And I still don't even know who said this, but it's, you know, everything you want is on the other side of fear. Right. So fear can really hold us back. And, and that's a perfect example to your question, Tom, about being intentional. It's like I've got to intentionally I tell a story in, in, in the book about uh, stand-up comedy. And my dad in his 70s decided to take a stand-up comedy class. Um, and he really found it exhilarating. And he encouraged me to do it. And I was at a point in my life, I was doing a lot of sales. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll take this. And it was absolutely a terrifying uh, experience. I remember being getting ready to go on stage for the first time and just, just literally looking for the exits and trying to think if I can just take off, I won't have to face this. But you know, but but that but by facing that fear, I developed a level of confidence and I realized all these things that I thought would be horrible never happened. All these fears. And, and if we can develop confidence in one part of our lives, something that might be as inconsequential as, you know, doing a stand up comedy class that carries over to other things. So then you develop this habit of of taking risks, of, of realizing that these fears that we have, these things that hold us back really aren't aren't real most of the time. If you just tuned in, this is Tom Laurie, and you're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We are with Joe Hart, Carnegie, Dale Carnegie President and CEO. So the um, fear, and you, you talked about getting in the state. What other instances in your life where you think fear may have held you back other than being a stand-up? Well, I mean, I can tell you, uh, I was I was terrified. Uh, well, maybe terrified is strong, but I mean, I made a decision to leave the practice of law. And I was afraid to leave the practice of law because I'd spent, you know, four years of college and three years of law school. I passed a bar exam. I had a lot invested in that. And I ultimately decided, but I, and I was afraid, but I, I made the decision to do it. Um, starting my first company, uh, and I, I tell the story in, in the book about how my wife really helped encourage me uh, to, to take on that fear. I was afraid. I said, what if this thing fails? Um, and certainly there were times anyone who started a business knows that that could be uh, fraught with all kinds of challenges. And there were times I was very afraid in, in running that business. But what I found is that, you know, there, there's this uh, acronym, false evidence appearing real. You know, so many of the things I had, and that's part of why we talk about, you've got to take command of your thoughts and your emotions. You could be insecure, you could be fearful, you could have all kinds of, of ideas that are just, just wrong. And until we can develop kind of courage and resilience so that we can handle any adversity, any challenge, you know, we're always going to be limited and we won't be able to be as intentional as we want to be because those things are like handcuffs. And I, I always find it interesting because uh, we tend not like racehorses who never look at the horse next to them, but we're not like that. And we look at the horses next to us. And sometimes people see people acting in such a way that they believe that they've never faced fear when in fact, it's a, an issue for all of us, isn't it? It, it? it is. And it's funny because, I mean, you and I were talking before we started about, I've got a podcast and I've interviewed many, many CEOs. And, you know, there's this, this idea that the CEO is someone who comes in and they're commanding and they're, they're fearless and so forth. And almost every single person I've talked to, when we get into a story, everyone's got a story about a fear that they had to overcome or the challenges or the ups or the downs or the failures. You know, So the, the reality is we're all in this together, this thing, this life, and we all face a lot of the same types of things. Yes, I think that's an important point. Sometimes people think they're the only one in the 
frying pan when all of us are in the frying pan, uh, regardless of your walk of life. Now, uh, before we go to break, just real quickly, intention living an in intentional that can evolve over time. Can't it's not fixed. It changes over time, doesn't it? Absolutely, and, and it has to change over time. There's sometimes that you know we're we're going to be you know maybe firmer in our resolve, or we're going to do something, or we're going to stick with it. Other times we're going to have setbacks, but um, it can definitely uh, ebb and flow and so forth. But I, the the purpose is to wake up and almost to say, look, I'm I'm living an intentional life. I'm going to make the decisions today that are important to me, to my family. And we're all going to have setbacks. Um, things aren't always going to go the, the way that we want. But when we we recognize that we're in a position to make those decisions, it's empowering. Well, we're going to talk some more when we come back with Dale Carnegie, President and CEO Joe Hart, about taking command. Remember, you can listen live to our Saturday broadcast anywhere in the world by going to San Francisco, 860 The Answer. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org oathbook.org it's a bully but we aren't afraid of a fight it's elusive but our focus never fades it's deadly but we were born to defeat cancer you may not have heard of us but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer we are the leukemia and lymphoma society we are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com. And mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Loy, and I'm with Joe Hart, who's the president and CEO of Dale Carnegie and Associates. We're talking about the art of human relations. Uh, so we talked about this intentional life. Let's talk, and we talked about fear. Let's talk a little bit about some of the steps and you go through, and you talked about how we transform our thoughts, emotions, and in turn relationships in future. When you mean transform, number one, what do you mean by transforming your thoughts and emotions? And how do you do it? Yeah, often we can be on autopilot when it comes to our thoughts, right? So so you go to social media 
I mean, if I just go through my Twitter feed, I could get pretty upset pretty quickly, right? Or any of us could be, or whatever it is. Or you get an email and an email sets you off or someone says something, you're in a meeting and someone says something. And so, you know, I mean, the first thing is how often do we really think about what we think? And our first step in this process really is you got to pay attention to your thoughts. Two people can be in the exact same situation, same set of facts. One person is thriving. They're, they're confident. They're going to find a way to get something done. The other person is, is, is out, you know, they basically say, I, I can't do it. And that all comes down to our thoughts. So first is to pay attention to our thoughts and, and to challenge ourselves on what we're thinking. What are, what are the assumptions? What are the, you mentioned earlier, hypotheses? What are the, the, the theories we have, the things that we believe? What are our beliefs? And then, you know, can we condition our minds for success? I mean, first of all, you, you, you can flip it in the, in the instance you can say, and we, we talk about different people and different stories about people who had reframed their thoughts. That's great if you can reframe your thoughts and find opportunity in adversity, for example. But what about over time? You know, if I go to the gym and I pick up a, a dumbbell and I, I lift it a few times, that's good, but I need to do it over and over and over if I want to develop a muscle, muscle strength. And that's conditioning your mind for success. That's really the next part of this, which is so how do you do that? And there's a whole whole range of things that we we talk about in terms of routines. Do you have a routine? I mean, we'd say everyone's got routines, but what are the routines that you have? Are they setting you up for failure? Are you focusing? And this goes to your, your question about intentionality. Are you, are you scheduling time into your day for the things that are really important to you? Or do you just kind of wake up, check your email, get going, and all of a sudden it's it's eight o'clock at night? And have you done the things that are really important to you? So um, routines are, are, are something. We, we've got examples of, of people who've had routines and and uh, a lot of different ideas there. And what about uh, uh, when you're talking about these routines, but does that include time for solitude or reflection or reading? Or I, I mean, part of when we're caught up in something is getting our mind off of it, isn't it? To kind of be distracted a little bit, to relax. What are some of the things that people have done to, uh, they've changed the frame, but now you've got to act on it. And uh, you can have a routine that you forget about and you're back into the action again. So what do you recommend that people do to take them down a different path and how they're thinking about life? Yeah, so so there's a couple things you've touched on, Tom. I mean, one is, and you mentioned this idea of, of, of solitude and certainly creating space for us to think you know, for me, and I talk about my routine in the book, and there's other people with examples as well. You know, for, it's it's the first thing in the morning. You know, I get up, usually have a cup of hot green tea, and we'll schedule usually 45 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes, maybe an hour of looking back on the prior day, thinking about what went right, what could have gone better, what do I need to change today? Um, it's meditating, it's, it's praying, it's you know, it's whatever it is for other people. But for me, it's really getting focused on what are the most important things I need to do today and how can I have an impact? But if I if I don't carve that time out first thing in the morning, then, uh, you know, it's it's easy just to get swept away in all of the things that are happening in the day. The second thing that you talked about, which is really around, hey, you know, if you're bothered by something, you know, do you, I mean, you can, and this is something Dale Carnegie definitely talks about, you know, you go out and get busy, you know, go do something, have a hobby or go, go get active and to get your mind uh, focused on something else. One thing we encourage people to do, and we talk about this in chapter three is really, you know, befriend your emotions. You know, you, you might be angry about something or you might feel guilty about something. And if you can kind of have this inner conversation, so to speak, and understand, well, why, why am I, what is this, what is it, what am I feeling right now? I'm feeling anger. Okay, well, why am I feeling anger? You know, because of, of, of this and this and this. And it's like, well, what do I need to do about it? You know, our emotions can, are, are there to serve us. Um, if I feel guilty about something, maybe I have said something or, or wronged someone and I need to apologize. Maybe that's part of what, what that is. So this process of, of going back to your first point, creating space to, to reflect on the relationships I have, have I said something? Um, what did I, in terms of my effectiveness, what am I doing that's really making the greatest impact? What should I stop doing? Um, having that space and kind of working with our emotions and thinking through um, kind of where am I, that enables us to then be intentional and to move forward really in an incredibly constructive way. And are you a proponent of journaling? 
I am. Uh, for me, I, I've journaled for really, I mean, decades, and I can go back and look at things. And the reason why I think journaling, let, and let's define even what journaling is, because I think sometimes people think that journaling is something that takes a lot of time. Um, you know, journaling to me is capturing the important things that are happening or important thoughts or observations or insights and just writing them down. Um, so it might be a sentence or two, or it might be several paragraphs. It just all depends. The journal is there to serve us. It's, we're not there for the journal, right? So I think sometimes people think, I'd like to journal, but it's it's a big commitment. It doesn't necessarily have to be. It's against how does it serve you? So um, that that's what I do in the morning. I'll I'll write down uh, what what maybe if something happened the day before that I want to make sure I, I or if I learned something or if I made a mistake on something I want to fix, but um, or insights and I, I highlight these things with different kind of colors. Just I know I'm a little bit maybe OCD that way, but um, if I'm flipping through my journal and I see something that's highlighted in green, I know that's something that's an insight I need to go I need to think about. So, but yeah. So it it it's a tool that can fit within our routines and then help us. I, I I'd say one other thing uh, too, Tom, which is the journal can be a place where you keep, you know, um, goals that you've got. If you've got a vision for yourself, if you've got your values, you can write those things down. You look at those. The more you look at those and think about those, the more likely they are to happen. And do you find that when you journal that whatever's rolling around in your head and keeping you awake at night, you're actually putting that on paper and it no longer has control over you? I do. For for me, getting sometimes getting something and that it can either be a journal or even talking to someone. I find that sometimes something I, I, I had a, a really good friend and we were walking our dogs uh, about a week or two ago, you know, three mile walk and just articulating what was on my mind enabled me to see, gosh, it's kind of a, a silly thought. A journal can can play the same uh, role. Sometimes I'll write it down and look at it. I'll look right at it. And I'm like, gosh, wh why can I, why do I think that? That doesn't make any sense at all. So uh, different ways to accomplish the same goal. Powerful tool. I'm a big fan of it. Uh, so, so other, any other tips for handling stress? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, we, we there's a number of things we've got chapters on on it. But if there's a couple of things I, I look at, you know, we've got a chapter on courage. And one of the things we talk about in confidence is, you know, looking back to look forward. Um, you know, we we talk about two different ideas. You know, one is self-efficacy and the other is self-worth. And self-efficacy is my belief and my ability to do something. We can build that belief by looking back and thinking about the different times we've been successful. And I give you an example, if you'd like. I know we're running out of time in the segment. Um, but and then you've got your self-worth, which is the value you see in yourself. And we can actively build both of those and intentionally build both of those to, to create greater confidence, greater intentionality, greater results. All right. We're going to come back and we'll leave a little bit more to talk about that in the next segment We're with Dale Carnegie, President and CEO Joe Hart. And we'll return after a short break. This is Tom Laurie and this is the Mentors Radio Show. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org oathbook.org. It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have My Pillow back as a sponsor. All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured my pillows made in the US. I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own six pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. 
Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS to get a 60-day money-back guarantee and up to 60% discount. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash mentors. You must include the code mentors. That's MyPillow.com forward slash mentors or click the banner on our website. And now, back to the mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with Joe Hart, who's the president and CEO of Dale Carnegie and Associates, and we're talking about the art of human relations. So you, uh, in the last segment, we were talking about self-worth, uh, self-efficacy. Could you go on a little bit more deeply on that? Sure. You know, self-efficacy is our belief that we're capable of doing something, right? So I, I think about uh, when I was dealing with leading Dale Carnegie through COVID, um, in the early days, it was it was terrifying. Our entire business was sh- uh, shutting down around the world. In, in January 2020, 95% of our business was in person. And so, um, you know, as our operations around the world, first in Asia and then all over the world were shutting down, I, it was pretty terrifying. But um, the self-efficacy part of that for me was you know, just, can I, can I lead this company through this? And it was to look back at, at a time that I led a company through in the 9-11, my startup. And, and thankfully, thank, thank God we got through that. And um, But it, that gave me confidence to lead through COVID and ultimately to engage our phenomenal, we have t- phenomenal teams of people all over the world who really uh, stepped up and, and we, we transformed our business together. We're much stronger, even, even stronger today than we are we were then. But that's the self-efficacy is, is am I, do I have that knowledge that I'm capable of doing something I can lead or I can do whatever it is? You know, self-worth really is, it it's, might seem like the same thing, but it's actually different. It, this is your belief in your ability um, to, to it's, it's your belief in, in your self-worth, so to speak. I was going to say something different, but, you know, self-efficacy is about what you can do. Self-worth is about who you are. So, you know, we, we tell a story in the book about a woman uh, named Anmal Rodriguez, who at the age of two was attacked by her father. Her mother, she and her mother were, were attacked and they acid, he threw acid on them. And, you know, she survived, but she was greatly disfigured, you know, and when she got older, um, she, you know, she continued to have this, this self-worth, this self-value. So even if she was online and she might be viciously trolled online, um, you know, she believed in herself. She believed in her, her value, her worth, and it didn't deter her. So that, that self-worth and self-efficacy, those two things, we, we value ourselves and we believe that we could do something. Those things lead us to have self-confidence. And, you know, and part of the, the way that we can build both of those is even, you know, I know you're looking for strategies. One strategy is think about how you talk to yourself, right? And be kind, be kind to yourself. Sometimes we say things to ourselves. We would never say to somebody, I never say to you, Tom, you know, some of the things I might say to myself. So when I pay attention to the things I'm saying, I might say, you know what, I'm going to talk to myself the way that I would talk to someone that I, I love. Talk to I wouldn't talk to my mother that way, my wife that way, my kids that way. So I'm not going to talk to myself that way. So you know, that's part of this this process that we can we can and there's other things that we can do as well. But that's one thing we can do to build our self-confidence. If you just tuned in, this is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We're with Joe Hart, Carnegie, Dale Carnegie president and CEO. Now, one of the things I've learned over the years is that if you don't take care of yourself and if you don't have that self-worth and self-efficacy and the confidence, it's very difficult to help others. Uh, it's very important that you protect yourself and, and protecting yourself and being strong. You can give to others. That's one of my takeaways over the years. You, any, I mean, that's kind of what you're talking, because we're going to go into relationships now. And you can't go into a relation. I mean, building a, a great relationship, and we're not talking about uh, male, female, just relationships in general. But isn't that a key to building relationships is just being strong in yourself? Absolutely. I mean, you, you think about, First of all, you, you can't give what you don't have. So if my goal is to help other people be confident, or if I want to have, you know, uh, bring out the best in someone else, you know, I have to have that level of confidence in, in myself first. You know, and we think about what some of the challenges that people have in developing relationships. If, if I'm insecure, if I'm, 
if I am uh, not confident in myself, if I am uh, unhappy, those are things that will impact how I interact with other people. So, you know, we're, we're in a much better situation to develop better relationships if we have, you know, first looked inward and put ourselves in a position to to be confident and to be uh, resilient and to be courageous and to be happy and those types of things. Then, you know, we, we can give that to other people. I mean, the, the the negative and the positive, so to speak, they're it's all contagious. And when we talked earlier about the intentional life, uh, we we're also implying having a purpose. And uh, you'd note in your book about how purpose is a responsibility. How so? Well, you know, the, part of the question that we all might ask, and this goes even back to the first segment where you were asking about intentionality, is, you know, what's really important to me? And we talk in the book about purpose and purpose you know, might be something that you define, you know, for yourself. You'd say, what's what's my purpose? And you could have, we go into this distinction about purpose of the big P and purpose of the small P. Small P purpose might be um, what I'm doing at any particular point, but, um, it, you know, if I'm in a job and I'm, I've got certain goals and my purpose might be around that or around my family or whatnot, a larger P purpose, you know, might go to, you know, I see my my purpose in life is to bring out the best, inspire other people to, to be their, their best and to bring out the best in other people. And so that's that's when you get into that responsibility part of this, which is, you know, Dale Carnegie believed, Michael Crom, my co-author, and I believe that every person has inherent greatness. And so there's something that I have that I that is is a is a is for me to give. And that comes into the responsibility. So if I'm aligned kind of I can define these things for myself. No one's telling you what what your purpose is or is not. It's really for you to kind of decide what that is. But in in that decision, and we've got examples of of people who have, you know, in in finding that purpose. Let me just give you one example. Uh, Daniela Fernandez, who I believe is based in the Bay Area, um, is someone who at 19 is a student at Georgetown University. You know, she was greatly impacted by her view about the sustainability of the oceans. And she saw in her purpose, so to speak, to, to make a difference. Uh, and she started what is today, it's called the Sustainable Ocean Alliance. It's the largest uh, group of its kind that's focused on uh, really sustainability in the oceans. And um, she's having a huge impact. So then that purpose is then leading to that responsibility. She's making a huge uh, impact on on the lives of of thousands of people and certainly on the planet. And you note it's very important that we write this down. And you have a uh, a statement of purpose, and it's uh, as I've captured it. I will do blank something for blank someone by using blank the skills I have to blank accomplish what result, which is a very good way of stating your purpose. Uh, and you get into that as well in the book. And it's uh, so it's not just saying it's write it down and review it and review it and review it. And I think you mentioned writing a couple of purposes down and um, looking at the differences and s somehow letting them boil up, right? Well, that's right. I mean, because what you want is for this this purpose that you define for yourself to be something that really resonates and connects. It's a north star. It inspires you. It guides you. And as you said, Tom, you know, the more you look at this, uh, the more it's going to drive actions. If I look at it in the morning, I look at it in the evening, I think about it. It's actually going to affect what I do on a day to day basis. So um, we do offer kind of uh, at least one formula, one one suggestion about how someone could write this. But really, it ultimately comes down to what resonates with the individual. We'll be right back with Dale Carnegie, President and CEO Joe Hart. After a short break, you'll find all of our show notes and links to the mentors at thementorsradio.com. When you're there, make sure you subscribe so you do not miss any of our shows. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. 
Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. Feelgreat.vip to learn more. It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have My Pillow back as a sponsor. All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured my pillows made in the U.S. I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own six pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS to get a 60-day money-back guarantee and up to 60% discount. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash mentors. You must include the code MENTORS. That's MyPillow.com forward slash mentors or click the banner on our website. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially non profits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at kml-pc.com. That's kml-pc.com. kml-pc.com. And mention the mentors. And now, back to the mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Loy, and I'm with Joe Hart, who is the president and CEO of Dale Carnegie and Associates. We're talking about the art of human relations. Uh, fear has really been a uh, tool that's been used by, uh, and I don't want to get into the political part, but it's, it seems to be dominating a lot of uh, the conversation in so many different areas today. So I think what you're, this broadcast and why this is so important is this whole idea of, first of all, fear can be used against us, but how we can tackle fear. Maybe just a quick 30 seconds uh, to the audience about overcoming all the fear that's being created in the world around us. There are things to be afraid of, uh, but it seems like everything is we should be afraid of. Well, there's certainly a lot of things that are happening that would uh, give us cause for fear, so to speak. Um, what We have a chapter on embracing change. And one of the things that Dale Carnegie had talked about was whenever there's change, it can create fear. And I think this goes to your your question also, Tom. Um, so, you know, how do you deal with that? And one of the, the techniques he talked about that we also talk about in the book is, you know, you you ask yourself, what is the worst thing that could possibly happen? And then you prepare to accept that and build back from that. Um, so in in almost every case, the things that we're afraid of, if we think back about and that's you're asking about journaling. Yeah, I can go back and write and look at things I was journaling about, things I was upset about, things I was fearful about. And it's like, I, and I'll say to myself sometimes, "You were afraid of that? Well, what, what in the world would that have? Why was I afraid of that? It's it's kind of funny." But um, most of the things that we are afraid of don't happen. And and um, as bad as we think things are going to be, it, it's not that bad in most cases. And but if once we can accept, you know, part of what drives anxiety is the resistance. It's like, oh my gosh, if this happens and so forth. But once you accept that, you, you kind of let that that go. And, you know, this is the another principle that we talk about, which is cooperate with the inevitable. Um, it doesn't mean you're not you're you're not going to fight for something that you believe in. What it means is you're gonna, you're gonna, if something's gonna happen, I'm not gonna waste a lot of emotion 
you know, fighting that it's going to happen. What I will do is I'll focus on what can I do? What impact can I have? This goes back to that kind of empowering intentionality. It's like, all right, this is a situation. How do I make the best of the situation? So you get off of the, the fear, you take the energy out of the fear, and you could do this for almost any situation um, that we have. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and I want to close out by two, two thoughts. One, what are the two mountains that we're going to face in our lifetimes? So we talk about um, the two mountains in, in the back. Uh, it's really toward the, the back chapter, the ends of the book. Um, and you've got kind of the, um, the the first mountain is the mountain that you climb really earlier on in your career. You know, it's it's all of the things that you tackle that are, you know, um, formative in your life. And the second mountain really is when you get toward uh, legacy. And I am. I, I want to give attribution to the, uh, the, the we we've quoted that in the book. I can't remember off the top of my head who who that came from. Maybe you can remind me. But it was. Um, but but that's those are the two mountains. We, you know, we get to the point where we we think about you know legacy and and the impact that we want to have in the world. And um, and that's that's really what that second mountain is. Yeah, that was the columnist for the New York Times, David. Um, David Brooks, that's what it David was. David Brooks, yeah. yep. Yeah, who wrote the book, uh, The Second Mountain. So, And what is, you talk about the Take Command community. What is that and how do you form that? Take Command community really relates to people who are not just connected to the book, but really it's it's this mindset of, uh, of taking action, of em- empowerment and so forth. Certainly, um, we've got that through the Dale Carnegie. We've got in, in my social media, whether it's in uh, Twitter or LinkedIn, the Dale Carnegie social media, um, a lot of it is is there. Uh, we will from time to time have different events, workshops, things like that, where we bring people together. And, um, you know, these are usually uh, free online kinds of things. People can also, of course, take Dale Carnegie programs. I mean, the, the greatest you know, thing I ever did, or one of the greatest things I ever did uh, for my own self-development was to take a Dale Carnegie course. It was life-changing. And if you think about like a, a Warren Buffett, I mean, again, Google him and, and see what he says. So so there are um, Dale Carnegie, we've got franchises all over uh, the world, all over the country, certainly in San Francisco, Bay Area, and uh, throughout California. Um, but um, but if you get connected to one of those, those uh, franchisees, you can learn more. Hey, thanks a lot. That was great. Uh, That's it until next week. Thank you, Joe Hart, for sharing your journey and key insights on the art of human relations and how we can take command. We've been with Dale Carnegie's president and CEO and author to take of Cake Command. We will be posting links to Joe's book and to Dale Carnegie training programs on our website, thementorsradio.com. When you're there, make it easy for yourself. Subscribe to future shows and listen to past episodes of The Mentors Radio. You can also listen to us online on a device on any podcast platform. Join us next week at the same time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember you to be all that you can be and keep the candle lit for those who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.